1: Hey, it's Monique,
2: welcome back to the podcast or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 204. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to share overall wellness topics like mental health and personal finance and vegan entrepreneurship because this is just life, this is truly a lifestyle. It's so much more than food. Be sure to come hang out with me on YouTube and Instagram. I'm Brown Vegan on both of those platforms. So yes, I hope you're having an amazing day. I am feeling So relaxed, so well rested. I've been sleeping good, like going to bed at like nine (laughs) o'clock. It's so funny because at six o'clock, it feels like it's nine o'clock. So I've been going to bed a lot earlier, getting up earlier, and it just feels really good because I feel so rested. So anywho, I'm back with another conversation for you. I have Latasha Thomas. She's back on the show. She was on episode 171. And during that conversation, we talked about her buying a house as a single woman, Paying off debt, saving money, really good conversation. So I had to have her come back on to talk about estate planning, some of the myths about estate planning, because a lot of times people think you have to have a lot of money in order to have an estate plan, but truly all of us need one. We also chat about how to navigate the uncomfortable conversations as far as, you know, talking about death and setting expectations with your family and letting them know what to what you want. And not only that, but like how to plan things financially. So really good conversation, especially when she talks about paying off her mortgage early and just having sinking funds to do renovations to her house. So, yeah, you can get the show notes for this episode at brownvegan.com. Also, be sure to go hang out with Latasha. I think she's on a social media break because when I went to look for her, she wasn't there. You can go read her blog and work with her at com. So yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation. First of all, I'm so glad to have you back on the show earlier this year when we had a such a good conversation. I got so much amazing feedback. I'm sure that your audience had good feedback as well as, with our podcast. And I told you as soon as we got off the phone back then that we have to get back on the phone by the end of the year and just chop it up about estate planning and savings and all of that good stuff so thank you so much lasasha for being back on the
3: show yes thank you for having me back
2: yes how are you feeling these days how are you doing i know that at the time of this recording we're at the end towards the end of october Mm -hmm. so how are you feeling
3: Doing okay. This year has gone by really, well, it's not finished. It's it's just been passing by rather quickly. So on the finance front, I had started off the year. I had done several virtual speaking engagements on my journey, everything from debt payoff to some other things related to finances. I was also running my financial accountability groups which are on hold right now, just because, you know, life. But as far as everything else, it's just been, I, I've, I've been able to get outside more. My social life has kicked back in the year, thankfully. But I think for most of us, we've been isolated or not as social as we were before COVID. So I'm glad to be getting back out in the streets, as the young folks would say.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But the crazy thing is, I'm thankful for that, but everything is so expensive that it makes you want to just stay in the house because when you walk out the door, that's $200, I feel like these days. So what are your thoughts as far as the recession? Do you think we're in a recession? What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think a couple months ago, people, if you follow a lot of the financial influencers, you know the I guess, definition. I actually don't know the true definition. There's different ones, but I think it was something like two quarters, which is like six months of negative or a certain, it's like slow GDP growth. That's gross domestic product for an economy. But some people look at other factors. Like you can look at the price of gas or look at the price of what it costs now to borrow money, like mortgages. If you're looking for a house now at this time of the year, it's way yes. different than it was this time last year. So a lot of people in 2021 into 2022 refinance because the interest rates dropped on mortgages. And now we're seeing them go back up mm-hmm. and, you know, gas for a while, actually where I was living, it was falling. And then I'm seeing it creep back up again. We yes. never fell back below, you know, $3, $3 a gallon in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. I know California was up in like I think seven dollars at the height, so it's expensive because it's California, of course. But things like that. I was at the grocery store the other night and had what I thought was a little bit in the in the cart, and it was like one hundred and forty-eight dollars, something like
2: that. I believe it is. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So a lot of people, you know, question is like, well, what can I do to prepare? Whether I'm. I think that I'm in or think that we're in a recession or not or we're going to have one come soon. I would say the two things is to make sure you're in a good position or better position when it comes to debt. When things are good and you know you can pay back the mortgage or pay back, you know, a loan and you're employed, you know, a lot of people tend not to worry because it's like as long as I can make the payment. But as we saw with COVID when it hit in 2020 or I guess 2019 technically, globally People were losing jobs. People are still feeling the economic impacts of, of COVID and just what that means and is a recession coming or are we already in one? So I would say to make sure your position when it comes to the amount that you owe, pay down debt, things like credit cards, stuff like that, personal loans, things like that. Student loans is a whole other conversation, probably a whole other episode.
2: Do you want to dive into student loans? We didn't even talk about that before. Me? Do you want to? A yeah, little bit? A
3: second. So the second thing I would say is for an emergency fund. So pay off as much debt as you can and then having an emergency fund because who saw COVID coming? Or, you know, we can't predict when recessions come. There's predictions and, and guesses, but we don't know for sure. So... Getting back to student loans, mm-hmm. so the last I'd say couple months, I mean it's been a longer conversation, but you've really seen some traction the last couple of months on, you know, student loan forgiveness. I know that the latest I've heard, and and I am not an attorney, but you know, this is all tied up in and stuff related to the law. The latest I have heard is that some states have sued the federal government. And again, this is for federal loan forgiveness. Private loans are not in this conversation. So if you have private loans, they're not eligible. Be forgiven. The, yeah, and I know
2: a lot of those people are kicking themselves that they have private loans.
3: yeah. Yeah. So a lot of, I mean, it depends. So some people, they, I guess, refinance is the term and it's certain, I can't remember which student loans, but it's certain student loans that are eligible. There's, there's always, you know, caveats. So a couple weeks ago you saw like, you know, Biden administration was saying, you know, we're revamping student loans, forgiveness, and these are the consequences. This is how it's going to help blah, 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 all of that. And then the most recent we've seen is that some states were like, no, we're going to sue you. And there's mm-hmm. various reasons, but some of the things I've been seeing is that there is a tax implication for student loan forgiveness. And so I, I believe it's the state taxes. So they're like, well, we want our money back. Yeah. So or we want to be able to benefit, I guess, monetarily is probably the accurate statement. So that's really it. And of course, there's debate on Some people are debating, should people even be forgiven? You know, this is taxpayers' dollars. There's going to be some consequence. But I think people have been and definitely are right now drowning because the way the country is set up in the United States, you got to, I don't say you'd have to, but we have been socialized to believe that we need to survive having, you know, extra or secondary education, which Mm -hmm. for a lot of people costs money. A lot of people don't have it. So they take out loans.
2: Yeah. I know we had a discussion in the last episode about your experience with that. Do you think that the twenty thousand? I know it's between ten and th- twenty thousand. Do you think that's enough money? The twenty thousand, because the reason I want to know is, I feel like for Black folks, unfortunately, we tend to take out more loans than mm-hmm. our counterparts, and we have because we don't usually, unfortunately, have the family that can provide, you know, for tuition and living expenses while we're in college. A lot of times for us, we're first generation college students, mm-hmm. so. Do you think that the twenty thousand was enough because I did see some some chatter online about people saying, "Well, that's cool, but I have sixty thousand. What mm-hmm. did you think? What are your thoughts on that?
3: I would say it's better than nothing. Now there are some people that have I know some people that basically have a mortgage. They have a house, quote unquote, and they don't have a house because they have six figure student loan debt. Mm-hmm. So if you're dealing with you know dollars 200000 dollars, then maybe you're like, eh. But if you have, you know, closer to that 20 where it is 60K or it's 40 or 30, I mean, it. That I think that is something. So I guess it depends. Some people believe, like, you just need to cancel all of it. You know, I don't think that's, that's
2: realistic, though. What do you think?
3: I mean, I don't think it's realistic. I think that... <sighs> Also, there, nothing's free. So, no, absolutely so, not. Yeah. Again, this is these are taxpayers' dollars, and I say that because you know they're going to have it's going to come out in the the balance sheet somewhere. Mm-hmm. So while it may be "quote unquote" forgiven on on one end, there's going to have to be a makeup later down the road. That's what I think. But you know, but I do know that a lot of people, again, like I stated before, they are drowning and. For some people, it's like the one thing financially that if they just didn't have these loans, they feel like they could, you know, they wouldn't just be getting by. They would be able to, you know, thrive financially. They'd have more disposable income because a lot of people have, like I said, they have basically a mortgage payment Mm -hmm. with the amount of student loans they have to or the payment they contribute to their balance every month. Mm hmm.
2: So true. So as the holiday season is approaching, I want to talk about Christmas and how not to overspend during the holiday season, because that's so easy to do. I feel myself, even when I have a plan and I go into it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to budget this amount. I get excited when I get in the store and I just get so jolly and want to get more things. So (laughs) what are some tips that you can give us as far as, you know, keeping on track with our budget?
3: The big tip is And it's not too late because it's, it's what right now it's end of October. Mm -hmm. Christmas is in a few weeks. So we probably have what, six, seven weeks until Christmas at the time this is being recorded. So sinking funds. So basically what a sinking fund is, is they're typically used in the personal financial world for a goal. So say you want to save for something like Christmas or save for a car and say for Christmas, you want to, say you want to have by December by the time it rolls around you want to have $1200 to spend on you know Christmas gifts now it's too late now as far as what i'm about to say but it just gives you the idea so at the beginning of the year what some people do the very beginning of the year they say look i'm going to put $100 in this sinking fund account for you know 12 times cuz there's 12 months and by the time I get to December I'll have $1200. Mm-hmm. And you do that with it could be 500, it could be whatever amount. You just have a set goal and then you spread it across a specific amount of time. And now that we're a few weeks out, you could do it, you know, for for that time, you'll just be contributing more depending on what that number is. So it kind of takes the burden off of like using credit cards, which a lot of people do, they go into debt for Christmas. And if you have kids, you know, wanting to make sure that your kids have, you know, the magic that surrounds Christmas and all of that, a lot of people do go into debt. So I would say, you know, that's a big one. And then I think another one, and this is, it's hard, but depending on, you know, the culture of family and friends that are around you, not culture meaning like ethnicity, but just like the expectations put on by the holidays. Some people, mm-hmm. they're just gift givers and it's like a huge deal and they go all out. But some people, you know, they're kind of, I guess, average when it comes to spending on the holidays. So I think for many of us, we feel this pressure to spend a certain dollar amount. And if you're on a financial journey, or if people around you know that and maybe even if they don't know that you can communicate with them and say look you know i have these goals i'm maybe you need to expect the smaller gift this year it depends on what your relationship with is with those people or with that person of course but i feel like people tend to put pressure on themselves as far as expressing how much they love somebody or care about somebody When it comes to things like Christmas and birthdays, and there are people going into debt over it, you know, that's just one of the things. So I would say the, for the second tip, it's just to, you know, try to keep boundaries or communicate with the people that are close to you, especially if there's expectations around, you know, the types of gifts that you'll be giving.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like for me, I always have this plan of not spending much and then I go on the store and I do. So I think this year what I'm going to do is purchase everything online so that I'm not mm-hmm. tempted because there's something about how, you know how they, uh, <laughs> the layout of the store is so different in the, hol- yeah. on the holidays and it's very, it's intentional because they want you to put as much as you can in your cart. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm more tempted when I'm in the store. So that's going to be the difference this year. Yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, how do you do yours? Do you, are you one of, are you a big gift giver or do you typically keep so it simple?
3: There are, we have a pretty big immediate family. So I have three siblings. There's four of us and we're all adults now, obviously. So, you know, there's, we, our, our gifts are just more expensive. So the last few years I've been able to not feel that pressure. I get a lot of anxiety around gift giving during the holidays. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, like what do I get the person? A lot of times it ends up being a gift card because I just, at Mm -hmm. the moment where it's like, I have to buy them this gift, you know, get it within two weeks or whatever the timeline is. I just can't decide, or I'll see something earlier in the year and say, oh, that would be nice for Christmas. But when it comes to the actual time, I get, I get really nervous. So the last several years I've been able to plan, you know, months out or, you know, whatever, just so I'm adding to, you know, a sinking fund or a savings account that's specifically for gifts in general. So not just Christmas, but birthdays, Christmas and other gift giving occasions.
2: Yeah, that's a good idea. I love it. I really need to make that more intentional in my life. And I'm sure some other people feel the same way. So the main reason, one of the main reasons I wanted you to come back on the show is to talk about estate planning. Mm-hmm. And when we talked about this before, we kind of talked about it a little bit. In my mind, I was like, uh, when I think of a stan- estate planning, it sounds so grand. It sounds like people who actually have a lot of money that they want to leave behind. So, first of all, start off by telling us what estate planning is, and how and why does it matter to the everyday person.
3: Yeah, I guess if I had to give a short definition, estate planning is basically your, I guess, the process of how your assets will be managed or, I guess, distributed after you pass away or in the case that you're incapacitated. So a lot of people just, you know, it's like, oh, death, which is a hard topic to talk about. But it's not just death. If, you know, you're in a coma or something where you cannot make a decision because you're incoherent or whatever, it puts a plan in place that tells certain people how your assets are to be managed. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So uh, like I said, like, how does that apply to the everyday person? Because I feel like when I think about it, I'm thinking of will. Mm -hmm. So it's like basically your will and what your intentions are as far as burial and everything like that. Right.
3: Yeah, so there's a couple things. I guess we could start with the myths of estate planning. So one thing I hear you saying is what a lot of people or many people I should say believe. It's like, "Oh, it's estate planning, like a state that means, you know, you're a celebrity or you're right. really wealthy." And it doesn't mean that. So the first myth is that you have to be rich or wealthy to plan for what'll happen to your assets after you pass on. Because that's the one thing, that's the one obstacle people have to get over. I know people know that they'll die one day, but like, they don't actually think or want to think about it. So that's the first thing. So you don't have to be wealthy. Now, wills and trusts and estate planning in general does cost money, depending on how you do it, and depending on how complicated your assets are, what you have or what you want to do, they can be costly upfront. But on the flip side, I would say, you know, even though you will pass on and you won't be here to see the aftermath of what happens to your assets, there will be people, likely family or close friends that have to deal with all of that when you pass.
2: Right. So pay attention to it in the beginning so that it doesn't have to go through probate. Yes. Because probate is expensive. Yes.
3: And we can get to that in a second. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing, and this is really, it's, it's probably beyond Black culture, but because, you know. I can speak to my experience. The other myth is that a lot of people in our community you'll run into, you know, just backing up. So you can die at any time. You can die, you know, when you're really, really young, you can die when you're older. What you'll find in our community is a lot of people tend to be superstitious. So they think like, if I plan what will happen after I die, or what will happen to my assets after I pass away, that means that I'm Bringing death to my front door.
2: Yeah, it's like you're manifesting it. Yes, Mm -hmm.
3: that's a big one. I was actually talking to a coworker about that last year because she really is into estate planning and trying to get, you know, our community more, or I guess, well versed on it. I was reading somewhere yesterday. This was a social media post, so I'm not sure of who the author of this statistic is. But I actually, (laughs) I was talking to my mom today. I think it's actually higher. So the statistic is that. It's, I think 70% of people who identify as black or African American don't have a will or Mm -hmm. estate planning. So that's the majority when we're a hundred percent all going to die. So the other myth is it's not just about the money aspect and we can get into this in a little, a little later, but it's about things like, who do you want to take care of your kids? You know, when you die or if, if you die and you know, they're younger Or if you're incapacitated, things like that, or power of attorney. Sometimes it's not even a death thing. If you're in another country and you have somebody who's the power of attorney, and that's, I guess, in short, a person who you give financial and medical power to in your absence, you could be on vacation in Italy and there needs to be like a closing done on a house or something so that you don't have to fly here, you know, or do it, you know, even virtually. You can have somebody go in your place. So that kicks in. So, but there are differences between wills and trust. So the word you hear most more, I would say, is probably wills. Mm-hmm. And at least in my experience, when I was younger, I was like, oh, trust fund babies, like trusts are for like really, really rich people. But mm-hmm. average everyday people can get either one. And there's a few pros and cons, but I'd say the biggest one and the one I learned while I was doing my estate planning is wills actually, when you die, they're public record. So a lot of people don't know that you can go to a clerk's office and look up people's wills, people mm. do it. So if it's not a trust, because trust are, I would say, you know, maybe there is a loophole, but trusts are generally private. You cannot look up somebody's trust, you know, publicly like you can with a will. Wills are also contestable so they can be debated. And it also depends on your state I was talking to a family member a few months back in certain states, not all. So for example, if you had a child and gave them up for adoption, releasing your parental rights, and this is like 50, 60 years later, you're like 80 years old, you pass away. The child in certain states, they're biologically yours, but you signed your parental rights away. If you did not write them out of the will, not that you would need to do that, but it's just saying what can happen that person can contest a will, say that like, you know, the parent had other children and say they didn't know that this person existed. They can come and contest because they can say, if they can show that they are biologically this person's, you know, daughter, son, whoever, they can do that. And so whilst to some people it may not be a big deal, We know with family dynamics, there can be things that can be big deals. Absolutely. There's also things, as I was mentioning with states, it's different by state. Some people assume another myth is that, oh, I don't need a will or trust or estate planning because I'm going to be dead. Who cares? It's going to go to the next of kin. Well, in certain states, and I know this because this is a real life experience (laughs) in my (laughs) family, in certain states, the next of kin... If you're married, say, and you didn't get divorced or you were legally married to somebody while you passed, it goes to the spouse and then it goes to the children. So say you have like five kids or one kid, it's divided amongst all of those people. So it doesn't always in every case go to just a spouse or just children. Some states it goes to both because they see those two categories of, you know, child and a spouse as the same or 50-50 or whatever the percentage is.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: it's not just a one size fits all, which is why another you know key factor is, I know some people want to go the cheap route and use like you know an online service and not go through an attorney. But if you're not an attorney, that's why attorneys go to school. They, they go to school because they are experts in this. Mm-hmm. You need to find an estate planning attorney. That would be my recommendation because there's so many things you miss and if you do it on your own, wills or trust, they it could be that they don't hold up, and you won't know that because you'll be passed
0: away. They're passed away, absolutely.
3: Right.
0: Say goodbye
2: It's interesting that you mentioned the part about in certain states, it will go to the spouse. So in my own family, my maternal, maternal grandmother, when she passed away, she was about 65-ish around that time. And she was still legally married to my grandfather. But you know how we do, and I, you know how Black people do. So they were married, but they haven't to lived together in like 20 years, and they just never got around to getting a divorce. You know how that goes. <laughs> so what happened was when he, when she passed, my mom and everybody was just like, it's going to go automatically to him. And he they never had like a relationship, you know, for mm-hmm. 20, 25 years. So it got really complicated at that point. So you're absolutely right as far as making sure that we have all of those things. You know, yeah. uh, mapped out, and I, I think she did have some type of paperwork, but like you said, it wasn't by an attorney, so it didn't really hold up. So, yeah, that's a, like a real life example of why that's so important.
3: Yeah, that's the same thing that happened in my family. Is not the exact same thing, but the courts don't care if you didn't actually have a relationship. It's who you're legally bound to. Yes, when you passed away. So, like you said, you could be legally married to a man or woman not have seen them, not have lived with them for two decades, but at the time of death, whoever is legally bound to you gets the benefit. This actually happened, and I'll mention this too. I was talking, this was maybe two years ago, and I was in a conversation where this person, she'd gone through a divorce, and she, I guess, had got wind of the fact that, and she'd been divorced for years, but she hadn't changed her beneficiary in her retirement account.
2: Oh no! Yeah, so
3: so retirement account. Mm -hmm. So she has a daughter with the man that she was previously married to, and she did not die or anything. She's still with us, thank God. But she, Mm -hmm. I guess, was kind of panicking because she was like, "Oh my God, I have to change this over because this is the other thing beneficiaries." So if you have like a bank account, an IRA account, thrift savings plan account for federal employees, or four hundred one k beneficiaries, when you go into those little accounts and sign in and put somebody's name and say, I want it split this way, or this goes to my sister or my mom or whoever, that overrides the will and trust. Oh, wow. So it makes sense to, or you can change or update it, to have whoever is your beneficiary, because a lot of people, at least we did take that step, will say, hey, in the event that I die, this person can get my everything in my bank account. Mm-hmm. It should be, I mean, you can do what you want, but it would make sense to have it consistent with what's in your trust because what I've read is that beneficiaries override. So if you don't, you know, if you divorce somebody and you don't update it, it doesn't matter. So, and and the reason why this matters is people get weird when people die. Mm -hmm. So if you're married to somebody, didn't divorce them legally, you guys have a child together, say the child's grown or maybe they're not grown. Person spiteful, it goes to them. What most people would do that I think would have a heart, you know, is say, you know, maybe I should give this money to our child or whatever, but they legally don't have to. Mm-hmm. This is why you need to do estate planning because the state will make it up, make the decision for you. So with wills, you know, wills go through probate. And I believe, don't quote me on this, you can please check me because, you know, wills go through probate. Trust, for the most part, do not. I don't know if that's completely open shut, but wills still have to go through probate. So that's the process, I would say in short, that's just basically like the legal process of, you know, having the executor who makes, you know, is the person, I guess, at the head of the will, who makes certain that assets are distributed. There's a legal process that has to go, which is, you know, goes into them being public and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, For example, like if your grandmother or grandfather passes away, they have a car or whatever, all of that goes through probate. And so, you know, while I mentioned again before, you don't have to be rich, but everybody, for the most part, they have something. If you have a house, if you own a car, if you have a bank account, I mean, it could just be, you know, the stuff that's within your home. You don't want to have people fighting over stuff when you go when you go and some mm-hmm. people and and maybe that's the other thing some people just don't care they're like i'm gonna be gone i can't take it with me
1: yes the, you know.
2: the mess is not yeah. that is not cool yeah He's a mess so when you when we were talking about the as far as the trust the things that you kind of, that you went over as far as bank accounts, retirements, what happens to your children, life insurance. Of course, I feel like it's the same thing as bank accounts. Whatever, whoever the beneficiary, mm-hmm. they'll get it. It's no debate there, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, life insurance. You have it's the same thing. So you have beneficiaries there, and like I said, bank accounts, life insurance, all that kind of stuff. If you want it to be consistent with what's in your trust or will you need to make sure that those names match. Mm-hmm. The other thing is this it's not just the the issue with divorce like you were saying. The other thing is we all have life events that happen. So some people, you know, they do take the step where they spend the money, they get the trust done, the will done, whatever. But you have to update it. And it costs oh, me an update. Yeah. So if you, for example, do do a trust or do a will when you're single and you don't have kids and you're not married and You don't have, you know, five or six houses, you know, this is 20 years down the road. You have to update it. So, and that's important because then you get people, I don't know about the trust, because the trust is, you know, closed, but as far as like not being public. But for Wills, this is where you get the nightmares, where it's like, even if it was written down, you did it, you didn't update it. So for example, say you die say you're a young, you're a young person, a younger person, you're 25 years old, 30 years old, you have a baby, say they're three years old. And then you guys, right, you know, before you pass, you have a newborn. You didn't get around to updating the trust or the will or whatever. And so the newborn's not in that estate planning. This actually happened. And I don't know the details, but you guys can look it up. When Kobe Bryant passed away, the last little girl was not in. The estate planning. I think where they're at now, I think they worked it out, but to all of us, this was a shock. The man was in his early 40s, he passes away. So, a lot of people, even though this kind of sounds morbid, what some people do is around the time of their birthday, they just review their estate planning because it's like, oh, I'm another year older. This is a good time to look at everything. But if you come into any property or if you buy property, if you get married, if you have kids, Major life changes, you need to update it. It's really important. So, Mm
2: -hmm. that's a very good point. And how do you like, what do you think as far as getting over some of those uncomfortable conversations? I know that at the moment, I didn't realize it was estate planning, but I did this a few years ago with my parents. And I know it took them a while to actually wrap their minds around doing it. And then when we were having the conversation, my other, my younger sister, was very, very uncomfortable. She didn't like that we were talking about this, but my Mm -hmm. mom was like, we're going to the attorney. We have to plan out things Mm -hmm. and we need to know what you guys want. And of course they wanted to share their expectations as far as their final resting place and everything like that. So how do you suggest having those uncomfortable conversations? Because it very much is uncomfortable.
3: It's just kind of a choice. Okay, I'll tell you the, the reason why, there's two big reasons why I decided to go ahead and do my estate planning. The one was, I use my platform to talk about, you know, finances, personal finance management, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I have to, like, walk the walk. The
0: walk hour. yeah.
3: So that was reason number one. Reason number two is a few years back, I was close to somebody in my life at the time who I saw this play out and what happens when people do not take the time and refuse to talk about what's going to happen. And a lot of people are in denial. Like I said, like we're a hundred percent going to die, you know, Mm -hmm. whether you want to talk about it or not. So you can either, some people believe that this is like the best gift you can give to your family or it's one of the most selfless acts because I've been on the other end with extended family who passed away and they didn't plan. And like I said, you can die anytime, but these were older people. So Mm -hmm. they had more years behind them than in front of them And they didn't plan. And it was a nightmare for the people that were left behind. And then that's when you get certain things, like you start finding out stuff and family secrets and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. I think that it takes, some families are just, they just don't communicate or they don't talk about things. I think it takes one person at least, you know, to start the conversation. And that's why I said this time of the year, you know, holiday seasons here to, you know, maybe not talk about it when you're opening gifts, you know, for Christmas, (laughs) you know, we're all here just kind of throwing it out there and just try to find ways to talk about it. It's never actually a good time to talk about it. I mean, a lot of people, I do have friends or know people that have brought it up to like grandparents or parents and they're like, I don't want to talk about that. Or, you know, you you get the superstitious thing and all of that. But I would just say maybe even the first step is saying, look, I already did my estate planning. So maybe if you can show them, like, this is what my process Mm -hmm. is or was. And and for older people, like, again, you you can pass away at any time. But if you're younger and you're trying to talk to older relatives about it, They're like, wait a minute, like you're, you're talking about this and, and I have, you know, less years to live maybe, you know, than you do. Cause sometimes it, it could just, it could also be intimidation, just not knowing where to start beyond the superstition and thinking that you don't have enough money. They just don't know, you know, is this something I can do online? Which yeah, technically it is. But again, I wouldn't recommend that or, you know, trying to figure out who's a good attorney, who's not. And so you get that knowledge through talking to people. So I think the first step would just be doing your own estate planning and then sharing your experience there. When I did mine, I finished mine in May of this year. And so did it. And it was like, oh, you know, this is kind of weird because all this stuff is going to be like enacted after I pass away. But I started talking to like friends about it. And then they started asking me like how the process was. And that's kind of how I've Started the conversation. This isn't something that I would talk about in depth. You know, this was like three or four years ago. Just because I don't know, I probably believed a lot of the the myths that I just mentioned. So I think Mm -hmm. doing your own research, you know, and completing your own estate planning and then sharing your process is probably the easiest way. Maybe not easiest, but helps helps start the conversation.
2: Man, that is so smart. I love that so much. That's a really really good idea. I love it. That's a great way to start it with it. Yeah. So I know where I know that on Instagram you were talking a lot about your house sinking funds. Yeah. So is it to pay off your mortgage? Like what is that? First of all, what are you what's your goal? Why you started it? All of the good stuff that I know you're going to tell us yeah. about your house sinking funds. So, yeah, take it away.
3: Yeah, so the house sinking fund, and I actually need to get back on that. I I took kind of like a hiatus because I was like, we're outside. So I was in Europe (laughs) on vacation. I forgot to mention this. I went to Europe for like 10 days. I was in Portugal. So that, of course, cost money. That was back in September. So that was great. But the house sinking fund was. You know, just this. The goal is fifteen thousand by the end of the year. Just being transparent, I probably will not make it, but I'm definitely I have more money in it. Obviously, when I start. then you
2: would have if you didn't plan though. That's a great thing. Right.
3: Yeah. Exactly. So there's a few things that I want to do, and so like you know, renovations to like my kitchen, getting a new deck, stuff like that. That all costs money, and I don't want to. Ideally, I don't want to go back into debt, and if I do go back into debt you know, paying it off as quickly as possible as a caveat. I still do use credit cards, but I really use them when I'm traveling. So, you know, just mm-hmm. because security and all that kind of stuff. But for big purchases like that, like if you need a new deck, you need a new garage door, you can plan for that. Don't wait until it breaks. That's a whole other thing. But <laughs> you you that's what the sinking fund for me is for. So I'll be doing some, you know, things to the house, but as far as the mortgage, right now I have a goal of, I'll be 36 in about a month. So I have a goal to pay off this house by the time I turn 40. And I don't remember if I mentioned it in the last episode that I was on, but I refinanced my my mortgage back in 2021 when interest rates fell. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we'll see these any, again, again not
2: in our lifetime right.
3: <laughs> right and so a bunch of us rushed to refinance and so that took off $400 of my monthly payment wow so i what i do now is i pay extra so sometimes i pay as much as i was paying before cuz that's what i was paying for the pa- you know several years before i refinanced and then you know, I just pay extra, even if it's fifty dollars or if it's four hundred dollars or three hundred dollars, pay extra. And it really when you pay extra, just as a note, check with your mortgage company to see if you can do this without penalty. So right. sometimes there's not for mine, but there can be a penalty for like early payoff yeah. you know, of the loan. But if you pay extra, make sure you're paying to principal only.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Some of the, like online, when I go and sign in to my mortgage website, it has an area where I can check and say, do I want to pay more for the principal? Because the principal is what brings the loan down directly. And you guys know about interest because a lot of us got caught up in the student loan Mm -hmm. trap where Mm -hmm. we were paying and paying and paying. And some people, it was like there was no debt being made. And I even know people where it even ballooned. So they're now, because of interest, it's more than what they borrowed because interest is basically the fee that the, I guess, lender, you know, charges for you borrowing their money. Mm -hmm. It's a price we have to pay. So that's what I've been doing there. And so hopefully, you know, not having a mortgage, I know some people are like, well, if you do that, you don't get the tax benefit. But it's like, I also don't have to pay $2,000 a month or whatever my mortgage is every month to live somewhere. You're not even having a paid-off house. Like a lot of people, the only people you hear saying that, to be frank, that I've heard, are people that have never paid off a house.
2: Okay. So, I was gonna say, like last episode, you said personal finance is finance. Like, that's yeah. personal. It's personal. And so yeah. you paying off a house, that's one less thing to worry about. That's freedom for you. Yeah. So yeah. Or, I- or
3: if a, if the people that had paid off houses, my parents' neighbors, my parents moved, but our old, old neighborhood, their neighbors. House is paid off, paid off, been paid off. So like something like COVID hits, you lose your job. If you don't have a mortgage, that's a lot less to worry about. Cause that's most, that's the average person in America. If they own a home, that's their biggest expense. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay that $2,000 or I know some mortgages are way more than that. And all you have to do is worry about, worry about utilities, you know, Because really utilities, you know, cable and all that kind of stuff, even though it's nice to have, it's not necessity, but you have to pay for your water, electricity, all that stuff. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. People like to say that, but I'm like, when things happen and it hits the fan, you lose your job or something catastrophic happens that you didn't see coming. Emergency funds, of course, can help you. But if you don't have a mortgage, yeah. So Yeah,
2: Absolutely. So what are you looking forward to over for the next couple of years or so? What do you, I know you're probably looking forward to your deck and your renovated kitchen, Yeah. but what else? Just in life in general, you're going to be outside more, you're traveling, yeah, it sounds yes, like I more. too.
3: I need to get back into my art. I know we talked about it a little bit before. The thing mm-hmm. about COVID is, you know, I did, I was out a lot, you know, before COVID and I'm like being isolated over these last, now it's going on a few years because we're going into 2023. Crazy. Like, what did I do? Like, we don't realize how many people like we missed and how much humans need to interact. Mm-hmm. So figuring out like what my hobbies are, like getting outside, I do want to get into more of the real estate investing side. I do want to get back into my art and being creative and just trying to find things that aren't so much about performance. And for me, that's a big thing because even with the whole, you know, financial money management thing, it's great, but it also my personality, it it definitely helps me in my, in my career, very driven, very ambitious, but just learning how to like find things that are just about me being me and not Mm. always having a goal attached to it. I'm not, you know, saying that there's anything wrong with that, but that's, it's about balance. You know what I mean? So finding those things, doing more traveling, stuff like that, you know, finding mm-hmm. also, this is a whole other conversation, but I was talking to a friend. It is hard to make friends as an Not adult, As a double, <laughs> like new friends, you know how, and yes! I just know like when you're on a financial journey or it could be like a, you know, fitness journey or things like that, just as we get older people, we get, we get different interests. And a lot of times, you know, if we're in elementary school or college or whatever, a lot of us made friends based on like, oh, you're from Richmond or you're from this area or you have this major, exactly. and just keep them. And then it's like, as you get older and you go on your different paths and journeys, you're like, I don't. A lot yeah, of these people were yeah. were friends at a convenience, and so you realize that a lot of us realize that in our like late twenties, thirties, forties, and then people have their, you know. Family units, or they're doing this, or they move away. It's just really hard to make friends in adulthood because we're so busy, but also because we're just, I think many of us were looking for something like deeper than when we were younger. Mm-hmm. That's a whole thing. So, yeah, I think like f- finding like meaningful relationships and just learning how to live and not, you know, be so tied to like performance, results. you know, and yeah. results, stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I love this so much. Tasha, I'm so glad you came back on the show. You always bring it too. You yeah. always bring it. And you was and you always you always a little nervous too. And it's like, no, you don't need to be. You were like so good. And I always love to hear you talk. And like I said, when is your podcast coming?
3: I know you were like, I need to get a podcast. I don't know. That's the other thing. Like, I just feel like this is me. I get excited about things and it's like, I do them, I do them and it's like, I get bored. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to podcasts or even being an entrepreneur, like you got to like do it whether or not you feel like it. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff I've done in my life where I'm like, this is great. And then I stop because it's just like, I either just can't sustain this or it's just boring to me now or... I want to do something else. And that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: you don't want to be tied down to it. I get it. Right. I
3: get
2: it. Well, you could just come on here anytime you want to yeah. talk about finances or life. I really enjoy you as always. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. Let us know how we can follow you or any else, anything else you want us to do before we go. Yeah, wrap up.
3: I'm on Instagram. So my Instagram name is Latasha, L-A-T-O-S-H-A underscore N, underscore Thomas. So that's my Instagram. And then you can find me on my website, LatashaNThomas.com.
2: Yes. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. And I'll talk to you soon.
3: Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you next week.